I'm Rev David. Thanks for joining me as I wander through life. Today's message is based on a short reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Let me read it for you. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Whenever I hear a story about Jesus that involves or makes mention of tax collectors, it always reminds me that I was nearly one of those. Uh, There was a point in my career when I was leaving one job and I had interviews the following week for three jobs, one of which was to be a tax collector. Fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, I don't know, I got a job before that interview, so I never ended up being a tax collector. But I always remember the advert for the job, which uh, said that it was a career where you can stand out from the crowd. Well, that's certainly true, isn't it? Tax collectors were not popular in the time of Jesus, and they're still not popular today. Have you ever watched the Oscars or, or the BAFTAs on TV? All those awards for actors, and everyone has someone to thank. We award solo success, flyers, sailors, mountaineers, actors, but all of them have big teams behind them. There's very little that we can do completely on our own. Even tax collectors need tax inspectors. Think about yourself for a moment and think about each decade of your life going back, however many decades that is. And I bet that for each decade, there's at least one person who you can identify who kind of you really needed in those 10 years to make something of your life, to, to keep on doing what you were doing. We are made for community. I mean, just think right back to the beginning of time, Adam and Eve that first community. It's funny really, isn't it? We're not meant to be alone, but as soon as we come together, we fall out. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. Look at that like Big Brother and those uh, reality program things where they have people all together in the same house. We need rules, but even they don't make things work perfectly. Think for a minute about mobile phones in cars, 
you're not supposed to do it, it's against the law, you get three points on your license and a thousand pound fine, and yet people still do it. The Bible passage uh, I've just read is from Matthew's Gospel and it's part of a larger section all about how we live in community. Jesus is teaching the disciples about how to live as a church because he won't always have a physical presence among them. It's practical advice, split into three parts. First, it's about what to do if you find another Christian, one of your community, who's not towing the line. It's a stage process. Sort it out one-to-one, and then if that doesn't work, get witnesses and have another go. And if that doesn't work, get the church meeting in on it. And if that doesn't work, chuck them out. But all of those efforts are at reconciliation, really trying to work it out. But there is a line in the sand. I think uh, we have to uh, think, don't we, about how often in our churches the line in the sand is not about God. Second thing, Jesus gives the church some authority in this situation. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You go through the stages, but the church is the end stage. It's authority backed by God in heaven. And then thirdly, in this specific context, in terms of discipline in a church community, meeting as a church to make decisions is all about keeping to the values of reconciliation. And then when you do that, Jesus is present, working through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. We are a community of disciples. We're called to declare the gospel, the good news, and to live as a family of God, displaying those gospel values. But it's not easy. The world outside keeps pressing in. Things are always changing. We worry about our building and whether there's going to be enough money. And of course, we're all getting older. Jesus' message isn't always an easy one. It can be hard to keep on the straight and narrow. But help is at hand. Because we have rules, and really whether we are Methodist, Anglican, Independent or whatever flavour, we have rules. The trouble is, if you always live just by rules, then you soon find out, firstly, rules don't always work. Secondly, we always seem to need more rules. And thirdly, people still bend or break them. What we really need is values. Values form the foundation of our living together in Christian community. The passage that I read from the Bible today is all about reconciliation, but there are other passages just near that one that are about such values as accountability and mercy and humility and fairness. But even values added to rules isn't enough, not for a Christian community. 
what we need to do is we need to be aware of God's presence. Be it in a church council or a harvest supper or wherever. How differently would we lead our lives if we truly believed that God is present with us? Rules are okay. Values are great. But an awareness of God's presence in our lives is essential. Let me finish by going back to the beginning. We can't fly solo. We are made for community. The essential member of the Christian community is Jesus. Let's pray that in all we do together, we recognise, know, feel and appreciate his presence in our lives. That's it for now. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.